0: According to a recent survey by the Public Religion Research Institute, only 16% of Americans consider religion to be an important part of their lives. On this episode, Melvin is talking to Jeff Keaton, former pastor and president of Renew a Nation, a nonprofit dedicated to restoring Christianity in America via education. Jeff's work in public, private, and homeschool spheres has opened his eyes to the tremendous spiritual needs of children and families across the country. Right now, Renew A Nation is helping to found dozens of Christian schools and giving children a Christian worldview that will equip them to be successful adults in a society that wants to dispose of religion for good.
1: Welcome to the State of Education program this morning and we are delighted to have all of you with us. Uh, Our special guest today is Jeff Keaton, Jeff Keaton leads an organization called Renew a Nation, and we're going to learn more about that this morning. We're going to be talking about the whole world of Christian education and biblical worldview. We're going to be talking about some of these ideas and concepts, and uh, so I hope you're going to enjoy this session. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thank you, Melvin. It's great to be with you. Why don't we start off by just telling a little bit more about yourself so our audience can know who you are and then about the organization, how it got started and what your focus is. Uh, take it away.
2: All right. Well, Melvin, obviously, um, my greatest claim to fame is I'm your brother-in-law. I mean, that's, there we go.
1: That's full, full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um now, uh, for those of you who who don't know anything about me and Melvin, uh, Melvin taught me how to drive, and Melvin taught me how to swim <laughs> because he came into my life when I was in the fifth grade, started dating my oldest sister, and uh, so Melvin and I go way back. And, and obviously, Melvin was here for the first eight years helping launch Renew a Nation as well. So uh, we, have, we have a deep history. But obviously, uh, I was raised uh, in a family of nine children, a ministry family. And as you know Melvin so well. And uh, my whole life has been wrapped up in trying to do something to uh, help people and build God's kingdom on earth. And so I was a pastor for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the course of that, ended up uh, getting into education. My my first uh, foray into education was in the public schools where I had uh, 32 Christian clubs. I had a Christian club in every middle and senior high school in Broward County, Florida uh, when I was pastoring down there that we led as a church. And, um, that, that really got me into that realm and, and, you know, inner city, Brad County, Florida, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, there, there's a lot of rough and tumble there. And I start to say, wow, you know, and there's a lot going on and, and we need to do something to fix some of this stuff. Uh, but then I got into Christian education when I became a pastor in Virginia and launched a Christian school here and, and just saw the power of weekday discipleship uh, with kids. And so then uh, in 2007, God burned on my heart the vision of Renew a Nation, which our vision is to transform our culture by giving millions of children a biblical worldview. And our mission is to inspire and equip the family, church, and school to give the children and their care a biblical worldview. So, um, Melvin, you were there from the first day. You're the first hire for a Nation uh, back in 2008. And, uh, you know, it's taken us a lot of years to get it established. Uh, you and I went through some great days together and some tough days together in the early days. But, um, uh, uh, today, you know, we're working all across America. Uh, primarily, our biggest division is Christian education. Uh, right now, we are we have contracts launching 11 new schools, as I speak, and many more in the pipeline. Um, we are, have a, a program to rebuild struggling schools. Um, we just picked the, our latest re, rebuild or renewal is in the, the Bahamas, actually. And uh, Ron Gordon said, hey, my wife and I are doing that renewal. I said, yeah, right. <laughs> But, uh, and then obviously we have teacher training programs. We have an online school. We have a homeschool coaching program. And so that's our biggest division. And, and that's what this uh, podcast is related to is education. But uh, we do have a church and family division. We obviously have a camp uh, down in Tennessee, uh, 800 acres where we uh, do training. And so lots going on, but our, our, our passion is to give children a biblical worldview through any and all means.
1: That's great, Jeff. And uh, it is exciting to see what has been happening in the organization. And uh, just for those who are listening, though, we've used, I've heard already a lot of different terms, and some may not be familiar with some of those terms. So uh, we've heard Christian education, we've heard biblical worldview. Uh, obviously, there's your homeschool division or your online program, you work with existing schools to Vitalize them, and you start, help start new schools and communities. And so I guess let's start with, how would you define Christian education?
2: So I have an actual definition for that. (laughs) Let's see if I can give you the purpose of Christian education. Uh, The purpose of, I say, the purpose of education is to develop the knowledge, talent, skills, and character of young men and women, so they can take dominion of the earth, and bend creation back towards God's original design, and by doing so, show the world the beauty and glory of God. So that's my that's my definition for the purpose of education. I call it my working definition. I share that with a lot of educators. Um, and so, you know, I think all education, Christian, again, the reason I'm so committed to Christian is because you can actually teach them what God's design is and what it looks like to bend creation back towards God's design. So uh, I guess I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my definition for the purpose of Christian education.
1: Okay. So when you talk about God's design and bending back toward God's design, go into that a little bit more. What does that mean? And just, you know, to the person who's just listening, this is all brand new to them. What are we talking about?
2: Yeah. So it goes back to the idea of what is a Christian worldview or what is a biblical worldview?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. and uh, so every human being has a worldview. It is your core set of beliefs that determine how you see reality and how you react to reality, okay? And so um, the reason I'm so committed to the Christian or biblical worldview is because I think it actually works out best in the real world. See, I just in my 55 years of living, I've discovered that everybody has a belief about every big question. So where did we come from? Who has ultimate authority in this world? What is our purpose for being here? You know, all of these, who sets the rules? Who determines what's moral and what's not? What's right and what's wrong? So every worldview is simply trying to answer all of the great questions of life. And so when you compare the biblical or Christian worldview to all other worldviews, I consistently see that it makes the most sense in reality, in the real world, okay? So just take um, the biblical teaching on family. Uh, one man, one woman coming together, married for a lifetime, and having godly offspring, producing godly offspring. So when you compare that to other worldviews when it comes to the family, uh, all statistics show, I don't care if it's a Christian, Christian research project per se or a non-Christian research, that the healthiest, happiest children in the world are children who were born into and raised by a mom and dad who stayed together and healthily raised their children. That's what. what so, so that's an example of God's good design working out in the real world. Now let's go back to bending creation back towards God's design. I'll give you an example that people might not think about. So how does, if, if, he, if God would call somebody to building homes, how does that relate to bending creation back? Well, in the Garden of Eden, according to the scriptures, Adam and Eve, Eve lived in a, a perfect world, a world where there were probably no, there were no storms, there were no wild animals, there were no burglars, no murderers. So they didn't even, they they, they could live in such a, They were living in such a beautiful place. I mean, they didn't have to worry about anything, weather, evil, nothing. It was all beautiful. And yet when sin came into the world and they were cast out of the garden, suddenly there were violent storms. There were evil people. There were animals that would attack them. And so somebody came up with the idea that in order to get us back, you know, restore a little paradise lost, we better build some shelters. And so today when a young person is called to build homes, They're actually bending creation back so people can live in safety and security like they did in the Garden of Eden before the fall. And so our goal is is to help young people understand God's truth in the areas of business, medicine, law, government, ministry, and implement God's thinking in all of those areas. And as we do that, as we we align our world in every one of those areas with God's good design, and we have to search and discover what is God's design. For example, our founding fathers knew, they believed that man was born with evil in their heart. Therefore, they created three branches of government for what purpose? For checks and balances of power. So their biblical worldview informed how they built our government. And I was on a plane some time ago sitting next to a Palestinian Muslim woman. And she looked at me and she said, you Americans don't know what you have. And I said, what do you mean? She was the sweetest lady in the world. She said, what do you, I said, what do you mean? She said, the rule of law is so strong in this nation. I can drive from the East Coast to the West Coast and I feel safe. I can't drive a city block, basically, she said, in my country and feel safe. And I said, do you want to know why the rule of law is so strong in this nation? She said, I do. And I took her back to our founding principles, you know, and I said, our founding fathers built this nation on a Judeo-Christian ethic and understanding, and it has created the most safe and prosperous and productive country in the history of the world. Again, I'm not all, America's not heaven. Uh, We've got our big problems these days. But the bottom line is, is that when you implement a biblical worldview in all areas of society, we come up with the United States of America, where everybody in the world is still trying to get here just about. And so, yeah, that's what I mean by, you know, helping people, these young people take dominion. That's the, we were given that right in Genesis, take dominion of the earth and bend it back. Now, that the dominion mandate was given before the fall. So we were going to rule over the earth before the fall. But once the fall happened, now it's much harder. But the more we can create human flourishing, what we're doing is really restoring a little of the paradise that's lost. And so that's my passion. That's why I'm so committed to training children in truth. Because truth is what sets people free.
1: Before we return to the podcast, we want to take a brief moment to bring an upcoming event to your attention. Parents are battling for their rights all across America. Schools in particular like to pretend at times that parental rights end when a child walks into a classroom. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. That's why you're invited to attend the 2023 Moms for Liberty Summit in Philadelphia from June 29th to July 2nd. Moms for Liberty is a nationwide organization fighting to keep America a place where family, unity, and freedom are fundamental. And we're honored to support them in this goal. To learn more about the summit, go to www.momsforliberty.org. And now, back to Melvin. I think that last statement uh, really is significant. I think really, ultimately, everybody, of course, everybody has these days their own truth. But at the end of the day, there isn't a pluralism of truth. There is truth as it relates to any given matter. It's either true or it's not true. Um And in our culture today, there are so many lies being foisted into the culture uh, and particularly through education these days. I mean, the the issues that we're facing in our schools and in our society and culture at large, uh, just, you know, introducing things that are just not scientific, they're not, uh, and, and really comes back to nature's law, right? For example, there's the law of gravity and You know, around those foundational principles. I mean, over in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, uh, we've been over there different times, even together. And, you know, there's the, there are some of these buildings that are like, it looks like they're built upside down, you know. Uh, and yet if you, if you go and look at the blueprints, the foundation, of that building is not upside down. The foundation of that has to be very specific and meet code. Why? Because without a proper foundation, it's not going to stand. I mean, the house above the ground looks like it's upside down, but everything that you don't see is built to code. And the reality is, I think that also is a great example of getting back to truth and bending things back to those first principles and those, as as you are defining it, those biblical truths, those biblical principles that God's design in and for the world. And, uh, you know, and when we when we follow those, we get very uh, understandable and positive results. And when we don't, uh, everything falls apart.
2: Yeah you know, i like to say truth is that which that uh, corresponds, truth corresponds to reality. I mean, it's that which, you know, it fits reality. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I was just thinking this morning that uh, if our young people who are being taught the truth these days, they better start businesses because a lot of, uh, and and I'm not trying to be political, but a lot of the leftist ideas do not respond, do not correspond to reality, okay? Um, And and the people who are going to be successful are the people who built their, build their build businesses on truth, and uh, you know it's it's so much so, so much nonsense is happening in our country right now that uh, you know especially in the whole social justice movement and that kind of stuff that that, that our young people who are, who know the truth they're going to be super successful if the government in this country doesn't turn against that so much that they don't even allow these kids to thrive. But anyhow, uh, another point. But yeah, truth. Truth is uh, truth. When you build anything on truth, you're going to get a good result.
1: So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, to just boil it right down, is you're trying to get education focused back in the direction of truth and instill understanding of what true truth really is, how it works, and how it's it's critical uh, to one's life and to everything around. It. Absolutely. Well, isn't that fundamentally what education ought to be all about, Uh, regardless of where a kid is going to school? I mean, a parent raises their parents are clearly the first educators. And, you know, if the parents set that child in the right direction, uh, they're they're giving them truth as they understand it, as they were taught it. Um, that helps that child start. And if that goes, continues on out. Now, of course, you know, there again, we've got the whole my truth, your truth, his truth, her truth. Um, it's kind of like the whole pronoun issue these days. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, that's not how reality works. So let's jump to another subject just a little bit because <clears throat> approximately, uh, somewhere between 80 and 85% of americas uh, k12 students go to government schools uh the rest of them are divided up into private schools which fits in the category of uh parochial christian faith based all all of those uh the homeschool element uh and then you've got you know other various elements of you know charters and some but even many of the charters are public uh and so forth so um, for parents, and, and there's arguments we hear all the time, you know, the problem with Christian schools is they're taking funding away. They're taking the best students away, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of a lot of things like this. Uh, you hear that all the time, I'm sure, uh, as you are an advocate for Christian education. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Uh, well... At the at the end
2: of the day, I believe parents should be one hundred percent in control of their child's education. I don't believe that the government should be uh, ultimately in control of what a child learns. That is the parents' right to choose. Right. And so, um, uh, as far as taking away, you know, Christian schools take, you know, I, 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 I don't I don't care about that, frankly. What I care about is how are we educating children. Children attend school from kindergarten to 12th grade for 16,000 hours. What they learn in those 16,000 hours will absolutely determine who they become. There's no two ways around it. Most parents don't teach anywhere near that amount of time, even though they're in their presence about that amount of time. They don't teach during that whole time. They are teaching by their example and all that. Uh, The church gets kids for about a thousand hours from kindergarten to 12th grade. Uh, so the church isn't the dominant influence. It's, it's really pop culture's media, media which gets them for 15 to 20,000 hours, and education gets them for 16,000 hours. So they're going to spend 30,000 hours between school and, and pop culture and media. So you know what got me into Christian education, and again, let me, let me just say this to you real quick, because Melvin, I know you're focused heavily right now. and know Webster is on uh, putting excellent people on school boards, and that's fantastic. The way I see this, this is how I see this. The Titanic is sinking we got 60, 70 million K-12 kids in America. The Titanic's going down because so many of those kids are not being taught the truth, okay, it, be it in private schools or public schools. There's plenty of private schools that aren't teaching truth, okay? And what we have over here is I got a lifeboat. It's called Renew a Nation. It's called Christian Education. It's called homeschooling. And we're going over and trying to get as many kids off the sinking ship of secularized education, again, be it private or public, as we can and pull them back and teach them the truth what you're doing is you're in a different kind of lifeboat. You're going over and you're trying to make sure that they teach the truth more on the ship and stop telling all these kids these lies. And so what I say is we shouldn't be fighting each other over what lifeboat we're using. We should be working together to make sure children are learning truth. And so um, I I, I don't really, you know, I care about children and that's why I am involved in what I'm involved in, but I don't care about the government losing any money. Um, I say You know, I've been right now in in the last three years, we've gained about five million children in Christian education and Christian homeschooling. I mean, Christian schools everywhere I go. I mean, I'm going to schools that had 250 kids, you know, a few years ago. They got 900, 1,000 kids right now. I've been doing that this whole spring. I've been to huge schools. I was with one school. They have 600 kids on a waiting list right now. So what has happened, and it's, it's helping what you're doing. It's helping what I'm doing. I call it the great parental awakening. COVID. God used COVID to awaken parents. And at the end of the day, what I wanna say to people, when you're thinking about the education of your child, mom, dad, you be in charge. If your kid's in a public school, you get yourself down to that public school, you examine everything they're learning, you go to those school board meetings and you object to what's bad, but don't just object, give new ideas. Here's what we could be teaching. Here's how we could approach that in the context that we're in, you know? And so I think the problem that we have right now in the public school system is that all the parents are seen as, as, as troublemakers or negative because they're coming to these school boards and saying, you're not putting a boy in my girl's locker room, which is exactly what they ought to do. And I, I think, unfortunately, too many public school administrators are now at odds with the parents. And, and that's the last thing that should be happening. Now This can happen in Christian schools, too. I, I tell Christian schools all the time, you don't have the authority to teach that child you only have delegated authority from the parent, and you need to work with the parents and engage the parents. So so my my response to that is, I don't care one bit about the government schools losing money. What I care about is kids learning the truth and parents being in absolute control. I was just speaking in a very large school in Iowa a few weeks ago. They just passed a, a new uh, universal school choice. $7,800 per parent now goes to any kid in the state. Uh, And that's created a unique set of challenges for Christian schools, believe it or not, because most of them are getting hundreds and hundreds of kids out of public schools. And there's a culture issue now. You know, we're getting kids in now whose parents don't care as much about the Christian side of it. They just want them in a, you know, better school in their mind. So, anyway, I don't mean to ramble on and on, but uh, my take on it is parents should be in control. The government shouldn't be in control. And um, parents ought to stand up and fight until they win these battles. Because the transgender issue in particular, um, what they're doing to children is child abuse. I'm not being radical here. It's pure child abuse. Um, I just spoke at a big church up in Pennsylvania. The pastor came to me, and he's got a massive ministry in the public schools. He's in every school in that community. It's a large church. And he said to me, Jeff, in one of the schools I'm working in, there's a girl who's now declared herself a cat. And they are letting her go to the restroom in a kitty litter box. Okay. And this is a pastor who's totally not involved in Christian education. He's involved in public schools, trying to rescue the public school kids. And he is blown away. I was speaking in another camp and a high school senior came to me and said, there's a girl running around our school barking all day long and they won't do anything about it because she is now identified as a dog. And so what I'm saying to parents is don't ever let that become normal. If that becomes if if, here's my fear, Melvin, is that in three to five years, this whole nonsense about boys playing girls sports, boys in the girls bathrooms, transgenderism, hormone treatment behind parents backs. If parents don't act now, they're going to wake up in three to five years like the frog in the kettle and they're going to think it's normal. And I I say we got a three to five year window to either change what they're doing in public schools. Or parents are going to have to make really, really big decisions.
1: Jeff, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, And we're hearing the same thing. And we're hearing people all the time. Ironically, yesterday, I was speaking with a young man uh, who's a middle school student. And uh, uh, his sister uh, is in an elementary school, public school. And uh, he was telling me how at her school, uh, there's this girl that goes around hissing at everybody and she says she's a cat. And uh, he said, man, things are getting really crazy. Look, if the kids understand that, uh, surely adults should understand that. Uh, And the reality is things are out of control.
0: This episode of The State of Education with Melvin Adams was made possible by the generous support of donors like you. Here at the Noah Webster Educational Foundation, we want to make it easier for you to engage with your local government and school system, whether you're a parent, educator, legislator, or simply a concerned citizen. Before we end today's episode, here's a snippet of our next episode.
2: If you're not willing to support your teachers, and you're not willing to demand that kids respect the teachers, respect each other and behave, you're going to gut your school. A local school system here to close to where I live, one of the FCA guys told me that a year ago last fall, they were losing 40% of their teachers. You know why? That's the same system where that lady had that guy throw the desk across her classroom.
0: Curious how you can make a difference? Learn about more ways you can help by visiting our website at www. NWEF.org. We'll see you next time on The State of Education with Melvin Adams.